Welcome to Behind the DM Screen. It is July of 2022. That's right, we skipped a month. Uh, things things happened. Life happened. Um, and if you're Mike Shea, you've skipped, like, I don't know, the entirety of 2022 so far. But we are three DMs helping each other out and talking about our games. Uh, welcome, Mike, from your high Hello. You had a lot of uh, uh, fulfillment to deal with, I think. Yeah, and it's not over months. yet. Yeah. yeah. Still going. So, so it's you missed a few months, and then... I had a death in the family, and so I missed a month, and we just didn't record. And so I think it's been a while since you've been on. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't realize it was all in a series. <laughs> yeah, the last, <laughs> the the last two episodes. It seems like yesterday. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. No, I- Ishmael Alvarez filled in for you, and he did a fine job. Awesome. He always does. One of these days, I've I have played with. I'm, I'm spilling trade secrets here. I have played with the idea of doing a behind the DM screens too. Uh, uh, and and I've actually had somebody like pitch the idea to me. I'm like, oh, I've I've actually sort of had that rolling around in my head already. Um, behind so, the other DM screen. Behind the other DM screen, <laughs> right? There are a lot. Of, there are a lot of DM screens out there with a lot right? of people behind there them. There are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. at, at once upon a time, um, I think Wizards had a, a segment called behind the, the screen or behind. Mm. The screen. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think they I, and, and I think it was relatively recent, like a few months ago. They did a segment for the first time called behind the DM screen. I'm like, um, you know, I didn't copyright that, but hello. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, so I think I did the intro. I, I know I introduced Sam. Yep. I introduced, or I know I introduced Mike. Did I introduce you, Sam? I don't know, but I talked and I think everybody recognized my voice. There so it's fine. There's Sam. Hi, so there's, Sam. There's Hi. everybody here. We are ready to talk about our games. That is all the introduction you get. You only get to Get a little bit more because I haven't pulled up my timer yet. <laughs> so we put 15 minutes on the timer. We give each DM 15 minutes to talk about their games. And then when the time runs out, we ignore it and keep talking anyway. So that is the show. And Sam, you're up first. Tell us about what you've been doing oh. for the last two months. Well, uh, so um, if you recall, or maybe you don't, so I'll tell you, uh, my Rime of the Frost Maiden game ended. And... In the final episode, I talked about this last time, so if you've listened to the recent episode, then you'll know this. But in the final episode, they activated the obelisk. They they missed all of the clues I was giving them, all the hints and every everything that, that I gave them, they missed. Uh, and they didn't really connect that it was going to take them back in time until it was too late. And they already, you know, they already did the thing. And they got taken back in time. And... It was a very unsatisfactory ending for them. Mm. And so uh, partly because um, it, w- it, w- it just felt anticlimactic because it was like, oh, crap, what are we going to do now? And we have no idea what's going on. Uh, and partly because I think they were tr- when they they finally thought they knew what to do and that they were doing the right thing and they were going to activate the uh, the defense mechanisms the defense system in Yithrin and keep put all everything it was going to be sort of nicely wrapped up in a bow and it was going to fix their issues and they could leave the glacier and get on with their lives so to speak uh, and then this happened mm-hmm. and. Um, 
so it was very unsatisfying for them. And it was, uns- it was, I understand where they're coming from. And I talked a lot about it on uh, the Tome Show Discord. And I, and I talked with different people in different places. And, and I, I, what I, my thought process was, well, you know, I can do a sort of epilogue, right? And then we'll see how they feel about it. Cause it did feel like not everything got wrapped up. And rather than leave things hanging, we'll do a, a an epilogue. So we we did that epilogue session. We met for it, and basically what I did was I got the Empire of Magic setting, uh, the Empire of Magic box set from Second Edition, which is about the ancient Netherese Empire. Because oh. you know, spoiler alert, but that's what happens at the end of Rhyme. If they activate the obelisk, they go back two thousand years, and they're in the the height of the Netherese Empire, and. Um, so they, they go back there. So I, I used that box set to sort of plan an epilogue. And basically what I said was they're going to have to go and they're going to have to find a chronomancer because back in the ancient Netherese empire, um, they had chronomancy. They had time travel magic. In fact, they had spells of 10th level. They were so high magic and so powerful and such accomplished spellcasters. It, w- it really was a sort of golden age of spellcasting. And um, so they so they're back now in these in this time period where there's really some very powerful magics available to them, but they don't know how to use any of it. And so they 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 decide that while they're in Yithrin, they they sort of I sort of give them a recap and I remind them what happened and we talk about where they are and what they're doing, what their options are, and they decide that they're going to try to find Sonar. Sonar, as if you remember, is the pumpkin spice mummy, mm-hmm. and uh, he he was in the um, in the tomb in Lonelywood, and and I changed him as written. He was just kind of this mindless uh, mummy who was guarding the tomb, and I changed him into an ancient Netherese wizard who was guarding the tomb, but had access to his faculties, so to speak. So he remembered lots of things, and he accompanied them to the glacier and into Yithrin because he was also trying to. Uh, figure out what Velen Harpel's real deal was because he knew that she was dangerous and he wanted to make sure that she didn't mess up. He knew what the party was doing and he wanted to make sure she didn't mess that up. So he was in Yithrin. Well, they reasoned, well, if he knew about Yithrin, he was in Yithrin, maybe he's there now, 2,000 years in the past, and so we're going to try to go find him. So they go to the only place they can think of where they might be able to find out where this person named Sinar is. They go to the Arboretum and they talked to the nether oak. And the reason that was a great idea was because when they were when we had the last session, you know, one of the the they have to do the octad like ceremony to get into the central spire to talk to Ariel Arthas. Well, part of that is going and getting a piece of the netherwood that will, you know, you can make a wand out of and then that's what you use as part of the thing. And so they had talked to the netherwood, the nether oak and <laughs> When he was talking to him, he was one of the th- things that I had used to give them a bunch of clues about different time, right? Because he said these weird things to them about, you know, the future and the past and time being fluid and this, that, and the other. And them, him knowing and he's met them before and then he'll, he's going to see them again and, you know, all these things. And so they go there and he actually speaks to them because one of them is a druid. One of them multiclassed into druid. Uh, in the last two or three levels. And so he can actually speak to trees and he sort of talks to the, the nether oak. And 
the nether oak tells them where to find Sinar. Sinar is in the university of definitive variatoria because there's like four different kinds of magic study and variation is one of them. And so, so, uh, Sinar is apparently either a student or a professor or something in this university. So they, he tells them where the university is. They go to it. It's in Yithrin, of course. And when they find Sinar, he is actually in the lab of it's, it's called Ladabrick's lab of chronomancy. And uh, so they go in there and basically they meet Sinar. They tell Sinar what's going on. He asks them some questions and comes to the conclusion that they're telling him the truth. And, he convinces Ladabrick, the actual chronomancer, that uh, there's something really important that's going on, and he, they should both pay attention to them. He invites them – Sonar invites them to his home, which is actually on the campus, and they go to his home, and they're poking around in his library, and they see a bunch of uh, – they see some books with history, and so they learn some things, and they're resting. And then they also see a reference to um, to someone named Alagondar, which is, of course, the Neverwinter uh, heir, right? So that one of the secrets in – in the book is that being the heir to the Alagondar, which, you know, they're supposed to be the r- real rulers of Neverwinter, et cetera, et cetera. So I made that connection. So, oh, Alagondar, except the shelf that had a reference to Alagondar, it said like Alagondar something, something, uh, was all children's books. In other words, the first Alagondar is Sonar's child. Mm. Right. So now they have this. They're like, oh, crap. Like there's all these connections. Right. So that was a little bit satisfying for them because it all it wrapped up one of the PCs or not wrapped up, but it kind of touched again on one of the PCs secrets because one of them is the <clears throat> sire of Alagondar. And so it was like, oh, how are we going to figure out how this is connected? Um, and so they they talk to Sonar. They learn a whole bunch of stuff. And we end the session with them deciding what to do, because uh, basically Ladabrick and Sonar kind of lay out three different choices for them. And the three choices are they can find one of the time gates because there are four or five time gates and most of them have been missing for a while. The general location is known, but not the specific location. Um, But if they do that, it's possible that Mistral, who is not Mistral yet, but still Mistral back in this time period, could refute – because she is actually the time deity in this time period. She could refuse to let them activate it if she decides because she doesn't want them messing up the timelines. So that's kind of – it's risky to do that one. They could um, try to stick around and learn the spell that's called Time Conduit and – if they learn the time conduit spell, they could cast it themselves and send themselves into the future. And Ladabrek says he would be happy to, well, not happy. Maybe that's too strong a word. He would teach it to them, but it's going to take a long time because it's a very, it's like the pinnacle of Netherese wizards learn that and no one else. And they're like, you know, 10th level or something, mm-hmm. right? So... That's like, and that's going to take a lot of time. And uh, and if anybody looked at their watch, they would find out that Yithrin's going to crash in three months, right, or six months, or something like that. So they don't have time to learn the time conduit spell unless they go somewhere else, which they could. So they discussed that. The other thing is that um, what they learned partly from um, 
from from their research in his library and from talking to uh, to Ladabrick and to Sonar is that there's this uh, this artifact called the Heart of Jariah, and it is uh, in a place called Moander's Footstep, but it's deep in the caverns. Um, and the cavernous area is called the Chardolin Mirror, and that will. If they can, if they can get the heart of Jariah, that will allow Ladabrick to take Shardolin, the heart of Jariah, and some Mithalar, along with a uh, multiport rod. All of these things are derived from that that box set. A couple of them are my own making, and a couple of them are actual things from the box set. Um, but the, he can use that to actually cast a, a spell that would act like ta- time conduit but without the normal restrictions of time conduit and it would allow them all to pass through and then uh, it, it theoretically would not change the timeline right it would let them do that um, however the problem is that the heart of Jariah is uh, guarded by Feyrim and it's guarded by so many Feyrim and it's such a strong defense of that particular area that the you know People say, quote, even Mistral has forsaken the heart of Jariah, right? Um, and so uh, basically, that's where we ended the session was them deciding what they're going to do. Because the thing is that a couple of those choices are like a whole other six or eight session campaign, right? Right, which is fine, right? And I and I I left it open like that because they said to me, well, "What do you want to do? What do you want us to do, Sam?" It sounds like like one of these is prepped right now. We could actually do it, and a couple of them are going to take us a while, right? Because I'm not going to narrate. Okay, you level up to twenty, and then you learn the spell, and that's it, right? Because that's also unsatisfying, right? Right. And my answer to them was, "Well, I'm not going to decide. You have to decide." And so I'm giving everybody the opportunity, if you want to spend another six or eight sessions, if you want to stay back in Netherese time, and you want to do one of those two options that are going to take a long time, I would be happy to run that. But we can't do it right now. We have to wait at least three months. And the reason we have to do that is because a bunch of the players already have other games scheduled, and one of them is going to run a game, and this, that, and the other. And I'm not going to step on somebody's toes just because there's six more sessions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... As long as the the session was okay, as long as the session was satisfying, a lot more satisfying because they got some answers to questions that they had, then it's kind of on temporary hiatus until they decide what they want to do. Um, it was pretty clear that they don't want to go fight the Faerim, even though I had prepped that in case they wanted to, and they could have done it, and it would have been exciting, it would have been battle, it would have been the large climactic thing, and they would have gone back in time and gone back to their own timeline probably. Um, but they 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 actually are interested in spending some time in the ancient Netherese Empire. So they're all kind of thinking about it. And I check in with them about once every two weeks, and we figure out like, okay, what's going to happen? And you know, so it was a lot more satisfying for them to actually get to play through and ask questions and not be rushed and not feel like, you know, oh, you know, this this is this is unsatisfying and there's nothing we can do and we got totally screwed, which is kind of how they felt at the end of the last session, which wasn't my intention, but you know, that's, that's kind of the way the book is written. If they do that thing, it does this to them, you know, even though I threw a ton of hints at them um, and they just didn't pick up on them. So the other game, I have, I actually have another game. I know I only have like a minute and a half left. I'm I'm curious though, how much of, how much of like the locations and the names and all that kind of stuff came from 
the printed source material and how much of it was was your own because I caught several things being somebody who has been steeped in the yeah. realms for a while I caught uh-huh. several things that were very yeah. realmsian and I didn't know if that was just something you picked up on or if it was inspiration from from one of the books or yeah so so a lot of it was inspiration but so for example um I decided that Ladabrek that Ladbrek is a made-up name, but he's a descendant of Sadabreth, which is an actual NPC okay. in that box set, who is a very high-powered person who had a lot to do with some things that happened. Uh, that the different types of magic, like variation and inventiveness and all that stuff, I, I named like the different schools at the university after those, so that came from the books. Um, Mistral, of course, right? Sure. Uh, Moander's footstep is really a location on the map in the in the box set. Uh, the spine of the world is 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 still ex- in existence, right? Uh, the heart of Jiraiya is a is a thing. Um, the rod of Multiport is a thing. Uh, Mythalar, of course, Feyrim, yeah, all that is all from the box sets. And the time conduit that spells from the box set, right? Okay. It's just yeah, how I put them together, of course, right. is all based on well, what and, my players are doing and pulling a, an idea. Like I, I really like the idea of pulling this item that's in a Feyrim sort of controlled area because the Feyrim, right. th- cause there's that – if they went into the museum back in Yithrin, there's that like stuffed Feyrim there right. on display. And so they can right. make the connection and uh, right. I think – and, right. and, and it, yeah. the Moander's footstep stood out to me because Moander's – unless you've read the, the specific handful of books, like that's a pretty deep cut, you know? Uh, yeah. Moander's I not just, a well-known I, god, so. I picked that – location off of the map because right. I thought it looked interesting and it looked like it had all the elements I wanted it to have and they could actually if they if they decided to do that one I could show them that map and say here it is right oh, that's awesome but you can't just look at a current map of the forgotten realms and pick it out right because it's not labeled on the current map of the forgotten realms right so that's that was part of what I wanted was I wanted that sort of mystery but also things they could research and find out if they wanted to mm-hmm. so yeah cool uh, um, can I can I yeah. ask can I ask questions? I have questions. Yeah. Um, so how do you? So you're you're well outside the scope of the actual campaign at this point. Do you know how far it's going to go? I know you said like you're kind of letting them handle it. Yeah, I'm letting, letting them, them decide? decide. When they decide, they're they're going to do one of those three things, and that's it. There's no other options on mm-hmm. the table. Mm-hmm. So they're either going to spend time in Yithrin and then let Yithrin crash while they're trying to learn the time conduit spell and learn all the rules about that and make sure that it will work for them uh, as they're basically in hiding somewhere in the Netherese Empire, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, and so that would be like the six to eight sessions of them doing things around there, which might be cool, right? Right. Uh, Or they're going to um, they're going to go fight the Feyrim. That'll be much shorter. That'll only be a couple of sessions, and then they'll get back, and everything will be fine. Is or the, the, the other choice was to try to find the time gate, right, which would be an exploration. So, you know, yeah, that's going to be six or eight sessions, maybe. Is the time conduit spell a 10th level spell? It is, yeah. Okay. And that's, okay. That's, I was going to say, because after the whole campaign's over and they get back and they've learned time conduit or whatever, well, then they just become time right. bombs, except they go, they <laughs> go forward in time away. where the spell is uh, right. unusable. Right. And in fact, what, some of the rules of the time travel, you know, there are lots of constraints on time traveling chronomancy in that box set. And one of them is uh, they cannot 
if they go back in time, anything they have on them that did not exist in the time period that they went back to, they do not have. And any spell that didn't exist in the time period they went back to, they literally cannot cast it. They, they cannot be in their brain. Hmm. Um, and same with going forward in time. If they go forward in time, they lose anything that is specific to the time period. So they can't like go back in time, steal a bunch of stuff, and take it forward, and then sell it right as like ancient artifacts. They can't do that. It won't work, right? So really, they can't. They're not supposed to be able to take anything. Now, I kind of broke that rule because I let the obelisk take all their equipment back with them, right? But the obelisk is sort of an anomaly. It's not, it's not really a time conduit spell. It's more like a temporary gate that's now gone. So, yeah. Vecna is always breaking the rules. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, of course, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what the, yeah. So, it's totally, it'll be a homebrew campaign at that point, right? right. So, if they, whatever they decide to do, it's either going to be two sessions or six to eight, and it's completely homebrew, you know, and, you know, how much time, I, they, if they get back to Yithrin, they might decide to investigate Yithrin a little bit more in terms of its its ruined state, which they could do, which would not be as much homebrew because that would go back to the book. But ultimately, it's basically homebrew from here on out. Because mm-hmm. um, literally, you know, when they activate the obelisk, that's the last page of the book. Other, you know, it's then their stat blocks, right? That's right. literally, the, there's nothing beyond it. So... Everything beyond that point is homebrew. So if you do the adventure and that's what happens, you're homebrewing from then on out because or, there's no or other. Just, or you just end it with and then you go back in time. Right. Campaign right. over. Right. Yeah. So so, so I just want to I want to mention one other thing is that I am also I've been I've played about six sessions of Temple of Elemental Evil uh, in fifth edition with my teenage players. Played or run? And, huh? Played or run? I'm running it, okay. but they're, they're playing it, right? right. And, I, and it's so funny to see sort of modern 5th edition players try to figure out what's happening in the Temple of Elemental Evil and how to play it because some parts of it they really grok and they grab onto it and it's like, oh, there's factions. Oh, we need to play this group against the other and we, and we can backstab both of them in the end. They're kind of little <laughs> murder-hope-ish, right? Because they're teenagers. And they're like, we we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And then at the same time, they'll do the dumbest stuff. Like there's this room, and I talked about it on the Discord, but there's this room that when you go into, it's a, compl- it's a trap. And it's meant to look like this. It's like the only clean place in the entire temple and everything, you know, everything is all destroyed and dirty and it's been burned and there's fire cultists and water cultists, all these things. And this room is like pure white. It's got walls of marble and alabaster and it's got this one piece of the wall that has like a crystal coating on it. And if you move close to it, like it sort of clouds up and then the clouds disappear and you see like two angels behind it and they talk to you and they'll tell you things and they're saying like, Oh, you know, what are you doing? What are you fair folk doing in this horrible evil temple? And so they, the, you know, the boys told them their names and said, Oh, we're here cause we're destroying evil. You know? And they said, Oh, thank, thank Ayus because, because we are here to help and praise. We will bless your items. We are. We have made this little haven here just for people like you who are coming in to to fight this evilness that is that is trying to take hold. And so, if you want our blessing, you can put your equipment here and leave the room. 
And they said, wait, wait, wait. So what, what are your names and what are you doing here? And so they say, oh, our names are Wheel and Woe. And we're the guardians of this haven. And this haven was, uh, we were allowed to start this haven or build this haven by the, the great and benevolent Ayus. He has allowed us to make this haven so that we could bless anyone who's trying to do good in here. Just put your things down in front of us and leave the room for 77 seconds. And then your items, anything you put down will be blessed for 77 days because it's going to mimic the seven heavens. And you'll have all of the blessings. And they said, okay, and started taking all their stuff off. Never questioned anything. <laughs> that, now, their their characters are from Greyhawk, right? They're, so, sort of. I say, they're I from, use not known to them? They're from my homebrew world, but okay. they're but they're, they've basically been in Greyhawk without knowing it, right? He's not, he's only known to them. So, here's the thing, is that He's not a god that's listed on their player little player kit that I gave them. Okay. So he's not known to them unless they ask, right? And never during the whole so the way it's written if they question it at all, they're allowed to make like a, a saving throw. And the saving throw will let them sort of step back and go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. This might not be real. Let's let's talk about this and what mm-hmm. what else can I do to figure out if it's real and whatnot." And then then the, then it won't work, right? Like the thing won't work. They won't leave their stuff. But they never, ever questioned it. Okay. And so they go outside. One of them's like almost naked. He literally took all of his stuff off, <laughs> all his magic items. They go outside, and then two werewolves come around the corner. <laughs> and they're like, oh, crap. We can't fight these werewolves because our stuff's in there. And we we don't have silvered weapons or anything anyway. So what are we going to do? And so they bargain with the werewolves and they give the werewolves like the last of their stuff. Like they had like one potion and a couple of platinum pieces. They give it to them to to buy them off so that they just leave. Because then they argue with, with each other. Oh, should we go in and get our stuff and then we can come out and fight, right? It'll only take a second to go. And then they're, oh, no, no, don't don't interrupt the ritual. We have to stay out here for 70 seconds, you know. And <laughs> then they go back in and all their stuff's gone. Right. And they're like mad, and I and sure. I said to them, you know, never once did one of you question what was happening. You have been in this evil temple five times, <laughs> and nothing that you have seen has been good at all. It's been cultists, barbarians, ogres, trolls. They fought a hydra, okay? Like, all of this is bad juju, and you walk in there, and you think it's really angels you're talking to, and you don't even question the stuff they're telling you. And one of them goes... I thought that it was weird that their names would be Wheel and Woe. Like, why would <laughs> angels be named Wheel and Woe? But I didn't want to interrupt the conversation. And I'm just like, <laughs> if you had said that, you would have gotten a saving throw. Sure. But you didn't. You just didn't. So it's 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 one of those things, right, where well, I, I, I mean, they're laughing about it now, right? So sure. Don't get me wrong. They're not, like, pissed off or something. But it's kind of one of those, like, that is a very old school and, and the right. thing is, when I say they've been in the temple for five times, I'm serious. They have gone back and forth to the temple from town like five or six times. And I've been teaching them every single time about, you know, what not to, you know, what not to do and what to do and when it's smart to do certain things and not smart to do certain things. I'm trying to teach them a very old school style of play where they're not rolling for everything. They're actually describing what they're doing. And thinking about things and trying to really problem solve before they actually take an action. 
Well, and you you have you have to because fifth edition and and old school D and D have very different expectations as to right. the kind of stories right. they're going to tell. Right, but but for like nine months, I've been right. teaching them this, and every once in a while, they just their their critical thinking just leaves. And what happened was previously, like the previous rooms, couple of rooms they had been in. One of them wanted to do something and the other one didn't and they got in this fight, right? Because they're brothers, right? So they got in this fight, right? And one of them was mad at the other. So by the time they got to this room, that's why the one said, well, I didn't want to interrupt because they, they were already mad at each other and he didn't, right? So so there's a little bit of like brotherly dynamic there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's that's how it is. So, folks, if you are <laughs> running your 5e players through an old school style, because I'm using the Goodman games, you know, okay. old, old uh, what is it, Original Adventures Reincarnated, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going through that. And, uh, and you know, Goodman Games, they had to make a choice. They said either we're going to change the encounters to match the 5th edition style so that they're more balanced and the CRs are different and this, that, and the other, that the creature numbers will be different, or we're going to leave them as they are, but we're going to update the stat blocks and stuff so that they're 5th edition stat blocks instead. And they chose that second one. They didn't ch- – so if the encounter said there's 15 bandits or 15 bugbears, there's 15 bandits or 15 bugbears. Right. They didn't change it. They're just using 5e bugbear stats instead of 1e bugbear stats. But basically, that's what it is. So mm-hmm. it's dangerous and deadly. And every once in a while, when you're a teenager and you're learning how to play this game, you just don't think critically very much and you lose all your gear. Right? <laughs> so. As happens. Yep. But, you, but you know who doesn't lose all their gear? All of the great patrons who support this show. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Excellent if you, segue. If you want to support the show, just like... Oh, I had the list up a second ago. Doug Palmer, Hyperlexic, James D'Alessio, Jill Sanders, Jonathan Vedemuthu, Leonard Pelche, and Michael Harrison, then you can go to patreon.com and find... Or patreon.com slash show. I think sounds right. Uh, and you can join us and support us as well for as little as a dollar a month to help pay the bills that makes the show possible. Um, okay, so it is my turn. Let me start the timer for me. All right. Um, it's been a minute. Uh, last time we chatted, I had just gotten a little ways into Descent into Avernus. Um, we had basically done our intro... Um, we did our, the beginnings of, of getting into Baldur's Gate and we had gotten to the Elfsong Tavern and had the pirate fight and, and that kind of stuff. Um, since then, cause it's been a couple months, although we missed a couple of sessions cause I went on vacation and then as mentioned earlier, I had a death in the family. So we had to, uh, go deal with that stuff. Um, yeah, so so we've played quite a bit, and we're we're having fun hanging out in Baldur's Gate and doing Baldur's Gatey stuff, right? They're having fun taking on the the Cult of the Dead Three and dealing with all of that. I've added in uh, a handful of other things. Um, I've got the the Eventier bundle, and and they've got some good ideas. And then I've got a um, deeper descent into Avernus uh, module, and I've thrown some things in from there. Uh, and I've got um, oh uh, the the Beetle and Grim uh, platinum box right so um, 
So that means that I've, there's a couple of extra encounters in there as well. And I've used those and I've, I've tweaked things and added things in order to, to personalize a little bit. You know, I had uh, a player um, who, or a character who wanted to, you know, after doing stuff during the day, they wanted to go off to um, someplace and find a fighting ring and, and do some just random, like, arena-style fights, right? Uh, and so I, I co-opted the Blushing Mermaid, which is sort of the, the rough-and-tumble, um, you know, pirates and retired pirates sort of hang out and, and figured, oh, yeah, sure, so you go there and uh, they've set up sort of a, they've pushed some tables to the side, to the, to the side to make up sort of a, an informal circle. And then there's a bit of a fighting ring going on to, tonight. And then they've gone back like two or three times to do it again, right? The first time she won, but she won with one hit point remaining against a, uh, against a half ogre, right? And that was, she was just thrilled. And so she wanted to keep going back and going back and going back. Um, uh, it hasn't been as exciting after that, but but I did because it's always like oh, I don't know what random interesting thing can I throw at him. So uh, one of them, um, I had them meet Dragonbait, and Dragonbait was their enemy. Dragonbait um, actually connects to Moander. Uh, Moander is most known for the Azure Bond series. Dragonbait is is originally from the the, the Azure Bond series, although makes a cameo in Tomb of Annihilation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and so you get this. This dinosaur person that doesn't speak, um, you know, and, and has these weird odors coming off of him. And then afterwards, I, I out of character, told them, yeah, you know, he's kind of famous and, and a badass paladin with a holy avenger. So, um, you know, <laughs> um, so so we've done some of that, you know, and, and we've, I brought in some of these. I'm trying to bring in as, as much of like their background story as possible now, because for most of them, it's or for some of them, it's going to be hard to do so. Once they get into Avernus, right? Like one of the the PCs is like connected to a crime family in Kalimshan and has come here and changed his name in order to sort of escape that that CD past and whatever, right? Well, that's you know I can I can make those connections, right? Oh, there's there's people here at Baldur's Gate that remember you from the crime family or these NPCs that you run into or your mom shows up with, <laughs> you know, and, and has some questions about what's been going on and, you know, that kind of stuff. But once we go to Avernus, like, that's kind of a little harder to, to fit in, right? Uh, now, the one, one of the PCs is a cleric of uh, Bahamut, whose brother is a cleric of Tiamat. And I've already made the connection between the brother and Arkan. And so that storyline can continue when they get to Avernus pretty well. Um, And I've got two characters that are twins. And for whatever reason, um, this is the campaign where they decided, oh, we want to do Shatter Kai, who worshiped the Raven Queen, who's not a goddess in the Forgotten Realms. Um, And and, and so I made it work, right? you know, it's 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 tricky when when you're six months before a campaign starts, and what the one who's an artist comes to you and says, "Look, I've already r- drawn up all the art for for these two characters," and it's like, "Okay, well, I guess I'll find a way to make it make it fit, right?" Right. Uh, and so we we did, we made it fit, but um, you know, I, I also make it very clear, like, but the Raven Queen is not a, a thing here. So you're the only, so far as you know, you're the only worshippers of the Raven Queen, and they're they're assassins, and so there's this whole thing about the Raven Queen and people going out and collecting things for the Raven Queen, including souls and whatever, and so that kind of fits in, you know, um, fine. Um, and then I've also got this connection. Um, I, I'm. I'm 
loosely connecting them through a patron, through the, the Tasha's rules for group patrons. And they all have a group patron that they all know that they have, but they don't necessarily know that all the other people in the party have this patron. Uh, and they only know the patron as the betrayed. And uh, I, I had this idea um, ages ago when I decided, oh, what if what if Vecna, with the hand of Vecna, which appears in Descent into Avernus, what if Vecna becomes sort of the if, the, if we decide to play after the end of the adventure as written, what could the adventure be about? Well, it could be about Vecna and the hand and all that kind of stuff. And then I decided, well, how is that going to fit in? And how do we layer it and make the adventure kind of connect to that really well, besides just the hand showing up? Uh, so then I decided that the angel that's in the companion is not an angel, but is actually Kaz. Kaz, you know, who was Vecna's lieutenant and betrayed him and is the one who cut out the, the eye and cut off the hand and what have you. Uh, and so he, he is no, he's their patron, but they only know him as the betrayed. Um, and, and one of them found his old sword and, and um, it sort of is mimicking the sort of Kaz's storyline, right? In that it was just an old rusty sword until the, the PC who found it gave it to another PC and then it got its first like layer of abilities. And as they continue to sort of emulate the story of Kaz and Vecna, I'll make the sword more and more powerful. So, you know, eventually one of them will, you know, if, if the one ever betrays the other one, then it, it'll, it'll upgrade a little bit, you know, and so it'll go through uh, as they emulate the story of Vecna and Kaz. Uh, and then I think that'll get me to a spot where um, the story could go... Like, we could continue and, and let, okay, let's chase after this this Vecna thing. Or you let Kaz out of the companion and he runs off after the hand and the eye and he's going after Vecna and you just don't have to worry about it anymore. You can go back home and, and live life and, and we can end the campaign there too. It's sort of my vision of how things could end up going. Um, I do have, I always like to come with a couple of, I don't know, quandaries, questions, what have you. Um, other words that start with Q. <laughs> um, and, and so I have two. One is uh, I've lost a player, mm. and, I've, and I've added a new player. Um, so I lost uh, a player whose background I didn't talk much about, although I integrated his background pretty easily into Baldur's Gate in a way that I couldn't later very easily because his whole backstory is he is sort of the, um, the low-level scion of a patriarch family, right? Um, and so, you know, that makes it easy to integrate him into the politics and the intrigue of what's going on in the city, right? You're, you're one of the noble families that's running things. Um, and dad's got mixed up in – he's been going to these parties and whatever and getting mixed up in devil worship and, and in, in an effort to try to reclaim the family's fortunes and what have you. But he's like the third or fourth child in line and so there's no way he's going he's to – he's not considered to be important, right? So that's the character I lost. I mean, we're going to be probably in Avernus here in about four or five sessions anyway. It's not a huge deal to sort of lose that thread. Um, but we lost that player because uh, he got married <laughs> and is moving away. So I guess that's fair, right? Uh, we allowed him to, to get married and move away. <laughs> um, and that, so then we, I started looking for new players uh, a little bit. And that took a little while as well. I had some... 
some coworkers that were interested, but then the the schedule didn't quite work out. They've got new children at home and coming to on every Friday night wasn't going to work out for them. Um, one of my players had a, a friend that they thought might be interested. That didn't work out. And then I remembered I've got a um, – there's actually a listener to the Tome Show. Um uh, who goes online by L.O.E. Frey, uh, who um, emailed me when I moved to the area and let me know, hey, I'm in the area. We've actually met once uh, about, I don't know, a month after my youngest child was born, I went to Gen Con. Uh, and he found me there and gave me a set of those, you know, the big tube of like the plush dice he gave me a big tube of the plush dice to give to my youngest, uh, and that was really sweet. And then when I moved here and he found out I moved to the area, he emailed and said, hey, if you ever got a seat at your table, let me know. I'd be happy to play. So I emailed him, and he had his first session with us last week. Um, so, so far, so good. But that is my first. Hear that, folks? Do you hear that? Huh? Just email Jeff for like 15 years. <laughs> and then... <laughs> I've, I've got a very similar story. That is not what happened, but <laughs> <laughs> close. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, he, yeah, so he, he came uh, last time and, oh, there's somebody in the chat room who lives in the area too. Mm, they should reach out in case I ever have another open seat. Yeah, 15 years will be another open <laughs> yeah, seat. right? It was, it's only, I've only been here for three years. It hasn't been 15. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but in any case, so we've got a group of players who have all been playing together for three years. And one new player who and, – and I worked with him and his character is pretty well integrated. He's also a, a patron of the Betrayed and he's a hell writer and the, the Bahamut cleric's parents are hell writers. So there's that connection. Like there's connections with the characters. I'm not worried about the character fitting in with the party. But I'm curious if people had any thoughts about how to make sure that the player feels welcome in a group that has been established for three years and they're the only new person, you know, that's my, that's my, I feel, felt like I spent a lot of the session, not a lot, but fairly regularly in the session, I would like look over to him and explain sort of like the in jokes to make yeah. sure, to make sure he knew uh, what we were talking about, you know? So do you have any thoughts on that? How do you make the player make sure? I mean, they, it, they you know, over, t- over time it'll, it'll happen, right. right? Like, you know, so I, they've already joined the game, Right. They're already right. in there. Mm-hmm. So the whole like make sure you introduce their character well, make sure that, you know, everybody on, you know, describes what their character is like and, and has oh. that, you know, essentially redo a session zero. Yeah. Right. Like stop for a minute. And there's there are ways even if you've already done it, you can stop. And what I, I like to do these like you can do them around a campfire. Right. Like there's there's so much. Mm hmm. There's a really good opportunity every time you have a long rest to use that long rest to ask questions to the characters and say, like, hey, given this thing that just happened, how does your character feel about it? Or how does your character feel about the direction you guys are taking? And and how does it tie to your background? But also, like, can you just describe a little bit of what what you look like and what you're doing at the campfire, which is just enough for the other him to go, oh, okay, right. I didn't realize you were a fairy. I thought you were a Goliath. Right. And well, and, and so there's a little bit of that that I do already, and I'm hoping that that'll help him as well over time. Um, but so since I've been playing with this current group, so for three years now, I've been using opening questions. I start mm-hmm. every single session with an opening question, and a lot of times it is, hey, you've got you just walked from the forest that's three hours outside of town. 
back into the city, what conver- who did you have a conversation with and what was it about? You know, so I have all right. those, those little things, right? Or you were, you were sitting around the, the tavern last night. We just sort of blew past it in the last session. Tell me about what you did or, or who you talked to or what, you know. So I, I do a lot of that kind of stuff with them. And it's also a lot, you know, hey, you gained a level at, last, at the end of last session. What's new about your character? You know, it's just little stuff like that, right? And so, but that's my, that's my way of handling inspiration. I, everybody just starts with inspiration for yeah. answering the opening question. Uh, yeah, and, right. And I don't have to worry about remembering it anymore. Yeah, and then, yeah. and, and they, also use, they also always use it. Oftentimes in the last hour of the night because they know time is running out, but it, they, their inspiration gets used like every single night. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm hoping that kind of stuff will help. Um, I, yeah, I, think it, so, I think it is good advice to go back and treat it like a session zero, and there's a little bit of that ship has sailed. But we did some of that. We at least I at least had everybody describe their character and, and what have you. So, I mean, you know, as a person who's moved around a lot, just from you know grad school and jobs and whatnot, um, I've joined a lot of groups as a new player or DM, and you know, ultimately, there's really no way for you to be able to really truly let them in on all the in jokes right um so don't stress on it like no. you know s- some things just aren't they're just going to have to be soaked in through osmosis as right. the time goes the thing to do is just you know check in every couple of games with that person p- privately right and just say hey is everything going okay do you feel like you're meshing with the group do you have any questions about you know, different people and their attitudes and what their normal, you know, sort of play style is and and that, like, you know, and just get their feel for it and make sure that they know that if they start feeling like they're kind of on the outside, that they can talk to you and you can try to remedy some of that, right? Um, Because ultimately, you know, the in-joke stuff, that'll come. And, you know, if you've already played two or three sessions with this person in the group, like, and there's been no real sort of big weird tension or like odd awkward moments or something it's probably fine you're probably not going to no, have any I issues think, you know? i think it's okay and i think i think that's all right i think you're correct in that you know these things come with time and i'm not don't need to worry about it too much and whatever i've also had though a lot of experiences back with it in, with the raleigh group uh mm-hmm. We'd have people join. They'd come for two or three sessions, and then they'd be like, "Yeah, nope, it's not for me. I don't fit in. I'm, I'm, I'm out." Um, and, yeah. and and I get you know, and that's fair too. Like, right. you might you try a set, you try a game out for a few sessions, and they're like, "Oh no, this isn't yeah. really my style. That's that's okay." But it happened a lot, and, and I'm like, "Oh, could we yeah. have done something to make them feel more welcome?" Right. So in that case, it. it's right. It's the question of was it style or right. was it people right exactly. and i and those are hard to separate right because they go hand in hand but like that's why i say just check in yeah. and you know it doesn't hurt to check in with your old timer players too every yeah. once in a while and just say privately just say hey everything going okay and you know just want to make sure you still feel good with the group and is there anything you know that that you would like to see more of or you know because, you know, I know there's there's a thing about, you know, at the end of sessions asking for, I don't, what do you call them, Mike? Stars? What are the stars of the... Stars of and the, wishes. Yeah, yeah, stars and wishes. Like, And that's good at the table, but also a separate individual conversation with the person is also good, like, as an add-on, right? Not as an instead of, but, like, it's good to have everybody kind of sit with stars and wishes and, and all that, but then 
also later on contact everybody, you know, once every two or three months or whatever, if you have a longstanding group and just say, hey, you know, are you do you feeling good with the way how what track we're on and how the game is playing and if everybody's getting along and you still feel like you know we're a cohesive group and is there something that you would really like to see a lot more of or you know that something that you keep putting on your wishes and I don't deliver somehow maybe I think I am and I'm not and you know or is is there don't start with this but is there something you want me to stop doing right like that's you know always ask them what what you're not giving them first and then right. You know, um, but that never hurts. And that's especially good if you bring in a new player, you know. Yeah. So, OK, good. Uh, the uh, the other thing I was going to talk about is something that I think I've talked about before, and that's uh, I hate long running NPCs in the party. Uh, and and Descent does that at the beginning with Rhea and then later on with Lulu, kind of, although Lulu doesn't bother me as much because she's not as much of a PC. Uh, that is something they've been putting in a lot of the 5e yeah. adventures. It was in Out of the Abyss. It's Tomb, like, Tomb it's, of Annihilation was awful. Tomb of Annihilation, you've yeah. got the you've got the tour guides, right? And yeah. you've got the you've got the uh, bunch of different factions. Which, which light which light has it too? You're, you're which gonna, light has you're it? You're gonna collect a whole zoo. Yeah, you know, and, going and through I mean, well, you, I, you do I that think in of a um, adventure where they didn't make it so that yeah. you have it. Except maybe Rhyme of the Frostmaid might be the only one that doesn't actually have it where that person's meant to go with you. Right. Yeah. Uh, other than for one of the missions when they might lead you to go help find the guy up on the mountain or whatever. I really hate like, running DMPCs and and a lot of the you know, uh, out of the abyss was the first like huge problematic one for me. Uh, you spend yeah. half the adventure with like seven NPCs to run. Yeah. Uh, and kill, yeah, kill them off fast. Now, yeah, but I'll, the I'll, is, I'll tell I, you, NP, NPCs I really, that I love that group yeah. with them are intelligent magic items. The uh, well, the shield of the hidden lord, right? freaking awesome. Sure, <laughs> it was like my except, favorite part of that adventure. Except I've got to run the shield and Lulu and Raya. Right. Uh, and I, I had, right, right I, now I had Raya take a hike. Raya, right Raya now, I've got Falister Fisk yeah. in the party, and Slobber Chops is, is chasing him. They yeah. they went through two whole sessions of of uh, the game with Raya in the party, and she never did anything in combat because I forgot to put her in the initiative order for two sure. sessions. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> so, Good. No, What's wrong with I, that? I I, fi- I fixed the Raya situation uh, when I ran it with the kids. Um, Eventually, now when I run it with the kids, it's a little different because sometimes I'll add an actual DMPC because they're just two players and they need a little extra help, right? Um, but with but I had a DMPC and Rhea, and it was it was a pain. So when after they got to uh, Avernus and they were in El Torel, I, I I forget. Oh, there's a spot where they're fighting a Bone Devil in the city. Um. And I had the Bone Devil target Raya pretty bad because at that point she wasn't necessary for the story in any way, shape, or form. Anyway, so it was just like let's let's give them a break from a fight and focus all of our attentions on her. <laughs> so yeah. and it worked. She died, and they were sad. And that was a, that was the best use of her is <laughs> connect to her and and have an emotional moment and then move on. Yeah. All right, my time is well and over, and we're going to go over, uh, as we oftentimes do with time. It's weird how 15 plus 15 plus 15 equals like an hour and a half. Right. Um, so, weird um, math. That's D&D for you. There you go. Uh, if you, I do want to remind people, if you want to uh, talk to us on, on the interwebs, uh, the Tome Show has a Discord, um, which is 
the link is easily available. Um, it's in the Twitter bio for The Tome Show, which is uh, at The Tome Show. Uh, and you can find it there. Or if you want to just email The Tome Show at gmail.com or otherwise reach out to, to me or Sam, uh, who is the official greeter of the Discord. Um, you know, what, Somebody can get you the link to the Discord. That's easily enough. Uh, we, uh, and I mentioned we have the Twitter. I am also on Twitter. I am at Squatch. Uh, Sam is at DM Samuel. And Mike is at Sly Flourish. Uh, Sam, uh, Mike really likes Twitter these days. So. I love it. It's the best. <laughs> All right. Mike Sarcasm. You Sarcasm have, for the have... podcast people. Normally, Mike, you have 15 minutes to talk, but now I've got 45. Since we're so over time, you only have like eight minutes to talk. Uh, Mm, I'm sure you'll stick with that. Right. (laughs) Tell us about Uh, games. I had what might have been one of my best D&D games last Wednesday. And I've been thinking a lot about what makes a near perfect game. Like if we think about the best achievable games, what what are like the criteria that make a you know, a, 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 your your best achievable games, right? And and it was funny because I was talking about it on my show la- the week, you know, the, the the previous Sunday, and then like Wednesday ran one and felt like wow, this feels like one of those, right? And I was I've thought about it a lot. So I'm running Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Uh, I am closing in. We're 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 kind of you know moving fast towards the end. They're in Yon. This is going to be full of Witchlight spoilers, including the big spoiler of Wild Ooh. Beyond the Witchlight. So prepare yourselves. The big spoiler. Censor, you censor yourselves. The big spoiler. I'm going to describe the big spoiler. I have been very careful not to talk about the I know, big spoiler. I know, but it's important because it really mattered in my last session. Yeah. So it's okay. I'll just beware. I'll just beep your entire 45 minutes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that, so be careful because this seriously, if you plan on playing this adventure and you don't know what I'm talking about, yeah. skip my section that'll be fine I'll, i still love you so um yes yeah, so they're in yon they're heading to motherhorn the 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 kind of big the hag you know uh, uh endolin moongraves uh theater carved out of a mountain which is a pretty cool fantastic location and then after that they go to the, the palace of heart's desire and there's a lot of stuff that you learn in the palace of heart's desire and there's other things that you can learn from talking to npcs and i was like i think it would be kind of cooler if underneath motherhorn was a essentially like a cellar that all four uh, children of um, Baba Yaga used to stash. Oh, sorry, Sam, to stash their stuff (laughs) before they kind of came into uh, the rest of the world. Right. So here's the big spoiler. Zabilna, I can say it out loud because my wife now knows. Right. Zabilna is Igwilv is Tasha. Right, they're all the same person, and Tasha slash Igwilf, um, you know, went to Prismere originally and became a Archfey because she didn't, you know, she was trying to hide from stuff. I think I like the idea that she just needed a vacation, and right. she's like, "I'm going on vacation. I'm going to go be a Fey Lord for a while." <laughs> I'm going. Right? I'm going on vacation. Give me a realm to rule. Right, right. That's kind of how she operates, right? Like, I'll just rule over, you know, you know what sounds cool? Being an Archfey of, like, a whole giant realm in the Feywild. It's a crappy so, vacation to have that Right, so then she goes there, right? So my, my thought is, like, she goes there, and she's doing a good time, and then her three pain-in-the-ass sisters show up, and they're like, hey, we know who you really are. We want to be here, too. We want some of this cool. And she's like, all right, fine. And 
she had stashed a bunch of her stuff in this cellar underneath Motherhorn before Motherhorn really became Motherhorn, right? And so did the other hags and stuff like that. And one of the things was the big cauldron, and Endel and Moongrave and the other hags dragged it out of the cellar and then used it to freeze her and so on. But I thought, wouldn't it be funny if, like, the, I've been holding on to this secret very carefully, not hinting at it. There's a lots of hints in the book that I didn't put out because I'm like, they'll know immediately if they do this, right? So I said, like, I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to hold on to this secret. And then, but I'm like, now's the time. Like I, I have control. Now's the time before they figure it out when it's, when I don't expect it. So I'm like, they're going to go into the cellar and they're going to learn stuff. And like one of the characters already has the chicken, the chicken uh, uh, claw mark on her face from having seen a picture that was defaced of uh, uh, Zabilna. And like they, they didn't tie together the fact that, that's also the symbol that Tasha has on her face. She has a little tattoo on her face. So I'm like, I'm going to do more stuff. But I was like, I, what, are, what are like 10 cool things from Tasha's life that they would find in her attic? And, and my favorite one by far was a obsidian statue of Grazd, who's oh. looking like really cool and uh-huh. holding a holding a sending stone. Right. And they wouldn't know like what. And so they'd go in and they'd see this statue of Grazd looking all suave and immediately have to make a stress effect check or like have a heart attack or have their blood begin to boil or fall over or whatever. Like the, you know, the, the, the old madness check, right. Of, you know, just, just seeing it like sends this waves of terror into you and, and then see if like anybody goes up and picks up the sending stone. And I was so, you know, I was like, I, tr- I didn't want to push him too hard, but I really wanted to push it. And they picked up the sending stone. And of course, Gros is on the right. It's like, Hey babe, how's it going? Right. And, <laughs> and they're like, oh, and he's like, wait a minute. Who is this? How'd you get my number? Right. And <laughs> and so this whole like, you know, they're, they're like prank dialing Grazd and Grazd is like, you know, hey, were we fighting last time we got together? I can't remember if we were fighting or we were loving. Like, I don't remember. I don't remember what was up last time. Right. Because like the whole lore is Tasha either dated and or fought Grazd at some point in the future. Probably both, you know. And so the idea not, that she not only dated like depending yeah. on depending on what which lore you're looking at, right? They they had a child, and that was right. Ayus. Yeah, so right, 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 right. Tie so back to all my kinds session. of lore, right? <laughs> the, so the great just, and, and, and generous Ayus. Yeah, <laughs> and so I just I just love this idea of them having a having a chat with, and I also love the idea that she has a statue of her ex boyfriend. In the basement, right, with like a sending stone. She's like, I never know if I might want to give him another call, right? So I keep it around. So I had like lots of stuff like this. They ran into a bunch of like all of the hags kept a bunch of catablepuses down there in like a fake swamp, so they could go milk the catablepuses. But like you'd see these death cows, and the cow would just kind of like chewing on a big thing, and it looks over, and you fall over dead, right? I just I love. <laughs> <laughs> So they had all of these different things, but but probably the key moment was uh, there was a, a a friend of mine, a friend of a friend of mine was in town, and we had a spot available for him, and he was interested in playing D anD. d And I said, "Oh yeah, jump jump on in." And I'm like, "How am I going to introduce this guy?" And I'm like, "Already, I was like, I think it'd be kind of cool if they, if a bunch of giant toads got free in this place. Like they had a bunch of canisters with like." giant toads in them and a sign that said don't break don't let out the giant toads right like leave the giant toads but the giant toads got out and i was like what if one of them vomited the guy out right like he he had been exploring this place and got swallowed by a giant toad and and then the toads are and and what happened during the game is that they all came out and they're doing their big they, at first i said you hear these weird belches like in the, the shadows and then then you see these eyes peering out and these toads come out and the guy's like oh i i drink a big swig and i start belching at them and i'm like so they're belching back and they're having this 
<laughs> this belching contest with the toads until one of them overdoes it and throws up instead and throws up one of the characters, right? right. Like throws up the guy who hadn't been there yet. And he, he just loved that, right? He, you know, he was like, that's the best character introduction I've ever had. I got vomited out. <laughs> and, you know, so it was like just everything just kind of got nailed. Like, the, like them getting, finding out that Zabilna is Tasha Right. At one point, somebody cast Tasha's hideous laughter. And I said, you don't know why, but the spell is filled with energy you've never felt before. <laughs> they have disadvantage on the saving throw. And he's like, wow, that's cool. Right. And, and then it's like, why? Because it's her spell and you're in right. her cellar. Right? <laughs> so there was just all kinds of stuff there where they finally got to. Read it. And then they finally did. Oh, and, and my favorite was my, my wife's character who didn't suffer a heart attack looking at Graz. It's kind of like, I think he's kind of cute. Like, I kind of. Graz is, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of like, I kind of like him. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, I don't know how Zabil, I don't know how Tasha will feel because she is a trickster goddess. She's a trickster cleric whose goddess is Zabilna, right? Oh. Kind of, like it's almost like a warlock, right? right but, right. but she didn't know who Zabilna was, and then she finds out. And I said, it makes sense that her trickster goddess was lying. Right? Right. <laughs> it isn't, isn't who she thinks she is. And then I'm like, I don't know how Tasha's going to feel about you hitting on her ex-boyfriend. Like that's so did she, did she take the sending stone so she could contact him I don't again know. later? I, I think they might've left the sending stone down there, but it wouldn't surprise me. If she'll go back and pick it up. Right? <laughs> so you're like, Hey, you know, you know, so the other one was they, they went into one room and there was this huge cage that was ripped open and there was an owl in another cage and there were sign. There was one sign on the cage that with this huge cage that was ripped open that said like, do not, do not open. He bites. Right. And, and that was the one that was torn open. And then there, there's another one on the owl that said, don't open this one either. He bites too. Right. But the owl didn't get out. And so they're like, should we let the, and the owl's like all sad. And it's like, whoo, right. Like, Hoo. <laughs> and, and they're like, fine. I let it out. And it let it out. And it, here, it turns into a huge owl and flies off. Well, the thing that broke out of the cage was the Jabberwock, right. right? And the owl is the thing that could fight the Jabberwock. And she had both in cages down below when they got free. But there's also a basket that says, in case they get out, use one of these. And it was a barrel full of swords, just old crappy swords, like a whole bunch of them <laughs> okay. that are all rusted, except one of them was a Vorpal sword, right? And the funny bit is they'd actually seen this particular Vorpal sword before because I had it in the Lost and Found in the carnival and a kid grabbed it and ran off with it. Like oh. this kid, this kid grabs the Vorpal sword and just hauls after his friend waving it in the air. Like, come here, you right? and chases him off. And they're, and they know they, they saw it was a Vorpal sword. Like, Oh man, that kid just ran off with the Vorpal sword. Well then of course, like it got lost in the things and who knows, and it ends up in this barrel waiting for somebody to grab. So is, they have something that, to fight. Is that the adventure is written or did you change that? I changed a lot of this. So the, yeah. no, so, so the Vorpal sword doesn't show up in the carnival. And well, but yeah, there's yeah. a sword in it, and there is a Jabberwock in it, and you're supposed to get. But you're, and, and there is a big owl in it, but but the and cages the, and the cages and the sword and all that aren't together. No, all that stuff is in uh, the the Palace of Hearts Desire in places that my characters are never going to bother to go. Okay, look. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's so what I, I thought. You know, so what I did one of the one of the little tricks I did is I, I used like a good Dyson map for the sellers that had lots of different choices about where they could go and directions. But I didn't tie any of these things to any of the rooms, which meant I got to pick which one of those things they discovered, depending on where they went. Because yeah. I'm like, I want them to find this Vorpal sword. More than anything, I want them to have a, a, a butt dial with uh, Graz. With Graz. Right? <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm like, I want these scenes to occur. And then I'll just choose which one of these things fit for the moment and move that to the right room, which is a bit of a shell game. But like, you know, who knew, right? And, and it, was, it was really fun. So that, that was just a really, really 
fun mm-hmm. single session. They learned a lot. They got they they a lot of role playing and some con- they got to fight the giant toads. So they had some combat, a lot of mystery, some questions that they haven't answered yet. Like what the hell they don't realize yet. I think some players are like, I know I know why there was a vorpal sword and a barrel and a giant cage. I know what was in that cage, and they've seen signs of the Jabberwock before, so they know what's out. There, but they haven't put one and one together. Yet. Nobody nobody went through the poem yet, so you know they don't they don't know that all that stuff is there is there. Um, but yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. My Wednesday night is, is the first time they go into Motherhorn and I'm just going to run and see I how tell, it goes. Like, I tell you, I think the, the best session of D and D, the most fun session, I should say of D and D that I've played in three years that I've played with this group was when we played tested Witchlight. It was, it, we, I mean, mm-hmm. we, we just had a, it is a with it. yeah, it's a really, it's a really outstanding campaign. Like I, I, I really like it. It's funny. Cause like. I was just I was, Sam was talking and I wanted to update one of my articles based on something he said. So I went back and I have like seven articles about Frost Maiden, right? Right. I don't have any about Witchlight because no. what am I going to say, <laughs> right? I'm like, it's great. So I have one about have like fun. dreadful incursions, you know, because I'm enjoying the dreadful incursions, uh-huh. and I am I'm 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 changing it pretty significantly. Like, a I just took a bunch of stuff that was in the castle and I put it in the cellar instead. Uh-huh. Um, but the other one is these dreadful incursions that I'm running where domains of dread are bleeding in and that is starting to come to a head where the um falcovnia the realm of falcovnia and uh vladeska drakov the 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 dread lord of falcovnia is has is or is making her way or has made her way into uh prismere which is going to screw up everything right like sure it's sort of it, it just completely you know it completely shatters it the other thing they met a they met a a speaker for the dread. What are they? They're not dread lords. What are the the dark powers? They met a speaker for the dark powers who who I cast as Morden from Mister Morden from Babylon Five, and he showed up and was like, you know, hey, I just want you to know, Zabilna, this is Zabilna's problem. Like, you know, and it, and that means it's your problem. You have to bring Zabilna back, and Zabilna's got to do her job, which was maintaining the sanctity of the of the. Of the of the domains of dread. That's all of this bleed over that we're not responsible for it, and we're not responsible for what the dark powers do, and and so they're like, oh, that's freaky. So her coming over is going to cause some kind of like time space continuum problem. I don't even know what's what it's going to do, but it's going to be really bad, and and then the, the characters are going to have to deal with that on top of savings of Bill and doing everything else. So really cool, really fun. Like I can already see the trajectories that the characters are going to take once they finish the campaign, like what, what it means for them. There's a lot of really cool choices that they're going to have. Like does one of them end up becoming a Fey Lord and take over for Zabilna? Cause she's like, I guess I got other I got to do. Sorry, Sam. Sorry for the swearing. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I got to, is there other things that I, ha- you know, she's going to like, I guess I vacation's over. And I'm gonna have to go back to work. So, which one of you wants to roll Prismere, right? And one of the players will get to be the new Fey Lord of Prismere. So, I think I think there's a lot of fun paths. One of the characters is becoming a uh, plane walker, is learning how to become. But he's picked up his, oh. his her her brain is starting to make its way into the planes of existence, which is also kind of hinted at in like chapter one of the book. Yeah, as well, right. So. so they met. They met. Yeah, Elowick Elowick Tumblestrom mm-hmm. is a plane walker, and they so they they met plane walkers, but now one of the, the fairy sorcerer or the fairy wizard is becoming a plane walker. Like, nice. like she's, she's reading books. She's seeing these things. She's, she can actually look into the sky and see the domains of dread and see them colliding. Right. Nice. Yeah. So really fun stuff. So I'm just, I'm, I'm having a really good time with this one. I think when we're done, so I'm, I'm doing two campaigns, this one and my Numenera, my Sunday Numenera campaign, both of which are I'm probably coming to a head in the next month or so. And I think I'm going to switch to two Cobalt press adventures. I think I'm going to run kingdom of the ghouls and uh, Scarlet Citadel next. 
So uh, this group will probably be switching over to, I think, to Kingdom of the Ghouls. I didn't even talk about that. I I took one of the the adventures in the Tome of Beast layer, Tome of Beast 2's layer from Golden Press, and and stuck it on an island uh, off the coast of Baldur's Gate and and filed off the serial numbers and said it's an old desecrated desecrated temple of Bahamut, which connects it to the the piece. Hey, look at me. I'm on time. You are. Yeah, I, I realized I'm like, oh, shoot, I never... Flashed uh, Mike the how much time he had left about at about five minutes and I looked over and was like oh twenty seconds well I hope he's wrapping yep. up <laughs> so. I'm done well, I, yep. I have I have some questions okay. sure you mentioned at the beginning that you feel like this was one of the most fun sessions you've ever run yeah and that you had talked a little bit I, about yeah what, I mean it's definitely one of the most fun qualities. sessions it was it was what I would consider to be a, a, a near like I mean near perfect even then I feel I feel weird saying it but like right. no, really I, really good session yeah yeah so what you said you had mentioned the qual like what are the qualities yeah. Yeah. that are required components right so a, a big one is character agency that the players have choices that they can make that are big and meaningful like they can they can do things but big reveals and and having the players enjoy big reveals is another one you know having lots of opportunities for the players to make meaningful choices is a big I, one i, I think um, i think what at least having, for me having re- revealing a big secret is definitely one of one them. of the keys yeah. for me is not just that the players have agency but that i as a dm Am either prepared or ready to to go to roll with whatever those choices are. Yeah, right. Like that, not and, just and, that they give a, get agency, but yeah. that I'm not floundering to keep up. Yeah, <laughs> so. right. Yeah, I just I just I I I just shot a video yesterday uh, that won't be up. Patrons will get it tomorrow um, about building robust campaigns. Although I I think I switched the word robust and resilient, but whatever. And uh, but it's about the idea of like how do you build campaigns where major major changes can happen. Mm-hmm. And it still goes on. And my Numenera game had a 14-month jump in the timeline based on a random roll, right? The whole campaign moved forward 14 months because of a cipher that somebody used. Mm-hmm. And, 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 they had, and the campaign is so much cooler because of it. Like, that was such a fun jump. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. I literally, like, I explained to them that, for, you know, I, wait, I waited until they figured out 14 months had passed. And I said, I need a break. And in 10 minutes, I had to figure out, like, what are all of the things that had happened that they right. missed? Like and their their main quest giver NPC is dead. The town that they were going to go save is now completely occupied. Like the air is mostly methane, right? <laughs> like all kinds of all kinds of stuff. So like, how do you right building building a campaign and setting setting up situations where the you could just roll with big not just small changes, not just like left and right changes, but major changes and now and uh, and choices the characters make and how things go, and you you. You know, it, and it works, right? I think, I think, I think that's a big one. Um, I act, I asked this on Twitter, and I got lots of answers. I wasn't prepared to pull them all out, but but it, a lot of that. Oh, a big, absolute big one is players were really excited at the end of the adventure. They loved what happened, and they're really excited for the next one. Mm-hmm. And and the cheat for that is ending on cliffhangers, right? Like the mm-hmm. cheat, the cheat for that is ending a little bit early, and ending after a big reveal or a big scene or a big. You know, like, you, you know, you just you kick in the door and there's the boss and, and it's like and they're standing next to them. It's your best friend. And you're like, oh, what? and then you, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, like that emotion was a big one. Having people who talk about the game outside of the game, uh, people like, like losing themselves in role playing, like like when you have players that are role playing among one another mm-hmm. and you're not even reacting. That was something people brought up. So there's just lots of criteria. But I think a big one is like, you know. 
same stuff we've been talking about, focusing on characters, making sure that they, that you're, you're showing, you're showcasing them both in the story and mechanically, right? How do you, how do you give them situations that make them shine both from their role play portion, but also from the cool mechanics that they've got, um, all kinds of stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, ha- I have to say that that's, that particular thing is one of the th- places where I feel like I made Rhyme of the Frost Maiden shine because I made sure that in every, almost every session, like 95% of sessions, right? There was something that was happening that was because of one of the PC's background or Mm -hmm. something they were looking for to help resolve a question in their background. And, you know, it, it really does pull them in and make them that was that was actually in fact the last session that i ran the, the epilogue that i ran one of the reasons it was so much more satisfying than the actual the last session the previous session was because it got some things wrapped up but also introduced new information that they now now there's sort of this there there's an anticipation right there's a hope of okay what's going to happen and they sat and talked about the game for another hour after I was gone because yeah. they're trying to figure out what do they want to do and what's what if, what if this and what if that and what if this and what if that and you know so that's that's definitely a big one that's yep. a big one yeah. that you know of all of the, some of the thing you know of all the things rhyme does wrong I'll say it does offer a lot of opportunity for tying those things in Mm -hmm. if you're doing it from the beginning and you can see the strings sort of stretch out and you can connect them then it can work really well yeah we you know all my complaining about rhyme but both groups that i ran through rhyme um both of them had like really big meaningful character arcs that took place uh throughout that throughout throughout the entire campaign major major changes to the characters major things they Mm -hmm. picked up it it, it worked really well yeah all right anyway I think uh, we've successfully made sure that Mike was not able to end on time, despite his own efforts to do so. No, I, I ended on time. Well, he ended. You guys had questions. <laughs> oh, those the questions don't. I was perfect. Okay. okay, well, always. Mike Shea is always perfect. <laughs> D- don't let his ego find out if you think nope. otherwise. all right we're gonna go ahead and wrap up behind the dm screen uh for this month we will check back in again next month uh and and see how things are going and mike is not going to be busy with uh fulfilling things at that point i would not yeah i don't i wouldn't go that far (laughs) he's gonna set some time time aside to talk to us next month. there's crazy crazy stuff's always happening it is all right uh so uh that's us uh, I mentioned it earlier, but we are on Twitter. I'm at Squatch. Sam is at DM Samuel. Mike is at Sly Flourish. The show is at The Tome Show. You can find us all there and talk to us or find us on The Tome Show's Discord uh, or Facebook or, I don't know, there may be a defunct G Plus account right around somewhere. I don't know. Uh, but but that's us. Thank you all for, for listening. Thank you all for joining us. And say goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye. Take care, everybody. <laughs>